Hello, welcome to the Mag Life Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Shaw, and I am here with Dave Matheny from the Silencer Shop. And if you've been thinking about a suppressor can or whatever for a long time, and you're like, man, this is a very daunting task to get this thing legally and do it all right. Well, we're probably going to talk about individual suppressor. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but I guarantee you we're going to talk about how to make it that process easy to get you uh, a less rude out there. You know, it's just good etiquette to have a good suppressor on your gun. And uh, we're going to bring you into the fold here. Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. It's a pleasure. I've been following Silencer Shop for a really, really long time. And and you guys kind of changed the game in a lot of ways with uh, with some of the, the NFA type paperwork and the, the different things that went out to gun stores all over the place and a lot of stuff. So just, I guess, tell me, how, how'd you get started in this game, the suppressor stuff? You know, it was kind of an accident by, by, and I, you've heard me say before that my, uh, my son was born deaf in one ear and it was just, I got into suppressors because of his hearing and we, uh, I, it, it was never intended to be as big as it is, but, but after a couple of bad experiences, my initial goal was from the very beginning to simplify the paperwork and make the transfer process easier for people. Now that's really, that was the roots of silencer shop. Even though we started out as a dealer, the goal was make it simpler. As a, as a business that's creating a lot of value for the customer. You know, and it's crazy in, in the early days, I'd have other dealers call me and just chew me out over just saying you're making it too easy there needs to be a barrier to entry people need to know what they're doing on these forms and it's like do you really yeah i know (laughs) that's like people calling and complaining to accountants that they're making taxes too easy right it's just a it's just kind of a ridiculous argument but i bet that was the same in people that were down here in texas the instructors that all went out and whenever they were passing what they refer to as constitutional carry or really it's a laws but it's not really a constitutional carry but really permitless carry you know for lack of a better term and uh all these instructors came out and said no we need training we have to train these people they can't just carry a gun that's crazy there'll be blood in the streets it's funny how every single state who's done this we haven't seen that happen yet but and these are supposed to be people on our team like that's absolutely ridiculous yeah that's the same thing i can't believe they the the dealer said that like were you just outselling them you know i i think it was just that it was a shift in the the way the market was thinking about silencers before that it was kind of an elite club there were very few in circulation really in the grand scheme of things but it's a and it was going from that to being more mass market right i think we were on the leading edge of that change making this more accessible to the average person i think you were too and i I, there was also something else happening right around that time frame that i credit a lot to silentrico with their uh, suppressors are legal campaign that they were doing around then yep and uh, it was such a powerful thing, you know, and you guys making it easy and Silentrico kind of explaining the legalities of it with a lot of their marketing messaging and, and everything else. And it was just, there's a lot of good stuff going on right right around. Yep. What was that? I don't even remember what year it was, but it was like 2010 to 2012. That sounds time about right. frame, a lot was changing. And you're yeah. right. Silentrico's message was a big piece of that, making it easy, accessible. They had good products. I mean, it was I felt like us and Silencer Go was always a good combination. Of course, we had bum- a bumpy road at some points. Yeah, I agree. But it's yeah. uh, but I think you know Silencer Go is a company we've I've always got along great with those guys. 
What do you think really made this switch? Because, you know, when I was a kid, nobody had suppressors. That was like a hit thing. <laughs> what what happened? If you, if, I, I think what really happened was the $200 tax, which was set in 1934, inflation caught up with it. And then you put that together with the internet to where now people could kind of see that it was available. And you started having those early adopters really in the first part of, you know, from 2000 to 2010, the market was really kind of taking off. And at around 20, 2008 to 2012-ish, it kind of hit at a point where all of a sudden it just exploded, right? It, it went crazy. Yeah, and everybody started a new suppressor company in what, 2013 or 14 yeah. at SHOT Show? It was like everybody yeah. had a new one. You know, in 2014, maybe it was 2015, right before, uh, oh, no, it was 2016 with the HPA. So everybody thought silencers were going to be regulated like firearms. And, man, I saw the craziest stuff. People were coming to us with suppressors made out of magnesium. And it's like, this is going to be fantastic. We could sell it to the end customer for it's 50 So hot bucks. right now. See what I did there? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was like, doesn't magnesium burn? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've, just, I've seen some crazy stuff. I bet you have. You know, it's, you know, the back end. And you're, you're um, heavily involved with some of the legislative side of this thing too, correct? Yeah, we're, we're very involved in that. Can you tell me a little bit about that? You know, what you guys are doing and what kind of the goals are? You know, I, I think... We're obviously involved in all the large Second Amendment and suppressor rights groups, American Suppressor Association, um, pretty much name a group, and we're we're participating. But the on our on our own, we really tend to push more for efficiency at the ATF. It's in my personal opinion, even though the uh, tax stamp inflation is kind of caught up with the tax stamp, which is a good thing for customers. The wait time is ridiculous. Yeah. So to, to sit there and think I'm going to buy a suppressor in January and get it in November, that's, that's not acceptable in any world, right? There's nothing you buy other than maybe a custom special order something that works that way. I, I will not order something from Amazon sometimes if it doesn't have like next day shipping. I know. I look right? for the same thing. Like, like I'd rather not have it if I can't have right. it tomorrow, right? So the, the, yep. the suppressor thing is... And then you were talking, I think my, my first NFA item, I waited um, 13 months for mine. Yeah, it was like yeah. 2014, 15, something like that. Yep, that, that was probably the first time I ever saw during that time frame, the first time I ever saw wait times go over a year. Prior to that, we had a note on the website that said, if it hits four months, contact us right away because something's wrong. It's a, mm. But man, it spiked and it spiked quick. And it's yeah, it been hovering in that six to 12 months for years now. Great work, right? Like from my perspective, you know, it's, it's you and, and a few other uh, companies like them, like you that, uh, that have kind of made this happen. And I, I think suppressors are awesome. So let's talk about one of the reasons why I think they're, they're awesome. And, uh, and it's kind of what got you started is, is protecting hearing and not just yeah. the hearing out there for plinking in the range, but we're protecting hearing of, of law enforcement service members, people using guns in self-defense situations, uh, being able to communicate better and still think better, you know, and not be disoriented anyway from, you know, confined space, loud noises. Hunters are also a key absolutely. group. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the hearing protection aspect of this is impossible to overstate. The silencers in, in reality are a safety device. They're not silent. They're not like TV. Anybody who shot one knows that. But they're able to get you, especially, you know, for any of the situations you talked about, home defense, 
you're not sitting there shooting all day long in a home defense situation. You're firing just a few rounds. But with those few rounds where you save your life, do you want to trade that for hearing damage for the rest of your life? Or hunting, hunting where you take that one shot all day long, and you talk to some of these old hunters, and they can't hear you at all, right? Yep. They've got a hearing aid in both ears and still can't tell what's going on. And it's, it's a little bit of hearing loss that's cumulative over the course of their life that, like I said, one shot at a time, and they lose it so slow, they don't even realize it's happening. Yep. And not to mention, as somebody who suffers from tinnitus, uh, yeah. that's something that is going to bother you forever. When it that's comes. right. And it's oh, coming. And tinnitus isn't slow. Tinnitus happens. It can happen yes. like that. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm thankful that that's not something I have to deal with. That's great. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wish it on anybody. Um, but yeah, actually, I just had a hearing test um, two weeks ago for the, the VA. And uh, I don't know how to read it all because I'm not an, an audiologist. I know I had like a, a 60 decibel reduction in like my left ear and like a 45 in my right ear or something like that. And I, it wasn't enough to get me paid any money from the VA. It's enough for my wife to be like, you need to go get your hearing checked. You know, it's a, <laughs> like that happens all the time. That's right, man. That sounds significant. I mean, I, it does I to me I too. read that either. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds significant. Okay, there's a lot of puns in there. I'm gonna hold yeah. it back. All right, I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about how you guys scaled. You know, because you just started, and I'm guessing like a lot of the great companies in the firearms industry. And most people don't know this until you like go to the company and visit them and see some pictures and talk to the owners and stuff. But most of these things stopped started in somebody's living room or yeah. or garage. You know, like how did you get started? You know, it was exactly that. I I was working full time as a programmer. And weird, I was one of those guys who loved my job. I wasn't even looking to start a company. I never really wanted to. But this, it blew up faster than I was expecting. I was thinking side, side hobby, right? Yeah. I like to shoot. I like guns. Um, you know, within, so I kept my, my previous, I actually worked my existing job and was running silencer shop for over a year. I had somebody working in my living room just because I couldn't handle the call volume which drove my wife up a wall, by the way, <laughs> just having somebody walk around in our house. It's a, it really was, it was a crazy year. And, it, and it, I finally got to a point where I just had to commit to it. I, I left my job and the scaling aspect of it. I, I think the scaling was built into silencer shop almost from the beginning, because since I couldn't actually handle all the work and do my job, I spent a lot of time writing code to automate the process for myself. Mm. Right. And it's uh, just so I could do both. And then as Silencer Shop really started to explode, you know, we kind of already had that framework and I kind of adopted a mentality of let's throw software at the problems and then spend our time talking to customers and, and providing good customer service, right? Instead of spending our time manually filling out paperwork and collecting information. That's, that's part of the reason Silencer Shop has scaled to the point that it has. It's just that base, basic approach. Let's talk real quick about the, um, the process of acquiring a silencer and, you know, kind of, and you throw in there how, how you've made that process easier for everybody. So when, when somebody buys a silencer through Silencer Shop, there are really two main ways. You can buy it through our website at silencershop.com, or you can walk into any one of our powered by dealers. We've got close to 4,000 dealers all over the country. That, that are powered by silencer shop dealers. So let's, let's say you walk into one of our powered by dealers, you see a silencer you want, or you know the one you want, 
you tell the dealer, you pay them. Within a few seconds, you're going to get on your phone a, a text with a QR code. We call them kiosk codes. Scan that on the kiosk. It'll walk you through about a five-minute process of taking fingerprints, supplying all the information we need from you, and then you take a photo on the mobile app. Then we take care of the rest. So from that point, we basically take over, we'll review the information, the, the system will generate all the forms, sign electronically, and we get it off the ATF. The second time you buy, that you don't even have to go through the kiosk. You can just walk into the store or go on the website, make the purchase. Within a few minutes, you'll get an email with the documents to sign, and it'll go straight to the ATF. So it's a very, very simple process. And it's, you know, people talk about, you know, oh man, it's so hard to buy a silencer. We automate pretty much all of the paperwork. The, so that part of it, there's, there's really no complexity to the customer. We take care of it all on the back end. What's hard is the wait. So you get to the mm -hmm. end of the process. It's been 10 months. You finally get approved. And that 10 months of feeling like a kid before Christmas makes it feel like it was hard. Right. But, but our goal is to make it actually the actual, what you do as simple as possible. No, when I, I bought mine, I had to get a trust from a lawyer, write it up. We had kind of a blanket one and then I had to fill out tons of stuff, all these pages kind of by hand and have it rewritten by the paralegal or somebody who <laughs> did it. Um, and then I had to go to the sheriff's department to get fingerprinted like CVS to get a passport photos and, and all this stuff. And then I finally got my package together to mail off to the ATF. And I felt like that I had, you know, won the Super Bowl or something because I got yeah. it all done. Like what you just described was just absolutely incredible. It's so easy to go and get a suppressor. And I've seen your kiosk all over the country, you know, all over the place. Yeah. And it, it makes it so simple. I didn't even realize it was that simple. I mean, that's great. Yeah, it's very simple. And for people, for most people, I do recommend using a trust. But I actually recommend using a single shot trust, which we, you know, we put that on the order. There's nothing to take and get notarized, nothing to fill out. It's just part of the DocuSign you do when you DocuSign your forms. So it's like two more clicks. The, uh, and then it's just you on the trust and you can write all the additional people on it after it gets approved. That way they don't have to get fingerprinted and photographed and all the other, you know, overhead involved in buying. That single shot is the way to go for for buying a silencer. I feel like that's been a game changer for the industry. Uh, I've got a, a the one that I just got in, the Silencer Co. Hybrid 46M that uh, it's with gun bag right now on our SOT, but you know, I, I need to transfer it to, to myself. And uh, going back and even doing that with my current trust, like, so you would probably recommend that I would just go to your kiosk and do it or something. Seriously, it'll make your life easier. It doesn't even matter where you buy it from. It does not have to come from us to be processed through our system. You know, like, you know, you look at this year, if you look at our numbers with ATF, ATF publishes their numbers every year of how many form fours they receive and process and all that. We submit roughly two thirds of all of the form fours in the United States. Wow. But, the, but we only sell just over half the silencers. So there's about, you know, 16, 17, 18% of the silencers that we're processing that people didn't buy from us at all. And we have zero problem with that. That's, that's our business. Now that we got everybody excited about how easy it is to get a suppressor through silencer shop or gun stores that are powered by silencer shop. Tell me a little bit about 
the legality of them, you know, like what you've seen and ran into across the country. I've, I live in a lot of different, well, I don't live in a lot of different states right now. I have in the last few years lived in numerous different states and they all have sometimes wildly different laws. Uh, for the most part, the states that I've lived in are NFA friendly. Um, but I mean, you deal with this stuff every single day. So you'd probably be a great person to ask. You know, the, the biggest things when, when I first got into this industry, there were a lot more differences from state to state. Like in Texas, for example, as crazy as this sounds, you couldn't hunt game animals with a silencer. You could hunt like a hog, but you couldn't hunt a deer, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, there were lots of states that had like laws like that on the books. There were several states where you couldn't hunt at all. There were differences in like um, in Missouri, you could buy a silencer. This is, like I said, years ago, you could buy a silencer but you had to have you had to have a CNR FFL before you could make the purchase. Which I don't know. It's a collector curio and relic. Hmm. It's a special category of FFL, which is a hassle to get, right? But one thing the ASA has done, the American Suppressor Association, is they've really done a good job at going state by state and making that all more consistent. So pretty much across the board now, if you can own it, then you can hunt with it. You can use it for self-defense. There's not really any worry about, oh, if this is on a home defense gun, I'm going to get in trouble. All those issues have kind of gone away in the last 10 years or so in a huge part, thanks to ASA. Just educating the lawmakers because that's right. the the laws that were on the books, like, like most gun laws just did not make sense. Even in Maine this year, before, before this hunting season in Maine, if you had gone there, you had to actually apply for a special permit to hunt in Maine. And that just got changed. Literally, it went into effect weeks ago. So it's a, like I said, they're doing a good job of making this the same across the board. Now, there are some states where it's just not legal, like, and it's the states you would expect, California, right. New York, um, states that aren't really part of the U.S., but claim <laughs> to be, <laughs> yeah. but it's a... They can't as have as real magazines or anything. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. But it's uh, as long as they're legal, you can pretty much use them however you want. So is there a good resource that you typically recommend to people to go check out for, uh, for legalities of suppressors in their state? We do have a lot of information on our website, but I'll say the ASA's website is really going to be the, I, what's the right word, the, your, the master source. I guess right. of yeah. this information. Cause that's what they do. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And you do, you have a very robust blog, lots of good stuff up there. A lot of informational uh, articles up there that um, I'm sure gets plenty of traffic and does a lot of good and helps a lot of people. That's the goal. We want to make this stuff accessible and demystify it. You're, you're like really good at this interview thing, demystify <laughs> it because my next question was going to be, uh, let's kill some of those myths out there about suppressors. There you go. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the myths that kind of changed over time, but the, the big one that I always used to hear was you have to have a class three license to buy a silencer. Mm-hmm. I still hear that from time to time. And that's just, just not true. There's no real license to buy a silencer. You pay a tax, they'll run a background check. You're good to go, but it's not really a license. It's more of a you know, it, it's yours now. It's more of a transfer to your ownership, right? Yeah, but the class three thing is is a myth. That's that's not real. A dealer has to have a class three license, not a customer. 
But some other things are, I mean, the biggest one that non-gun owners, even some gun owners think they're silent, like, you know, what you would see on TV. Right. That's just not reality either. That's, I I always, my favorite comparison is that an AR-15 with a suppressor on it is the same loudness as a jackhammer on concrete. It is not silent at all. You can still hear it just fine if you're in the other room, right? It's a, so that's, I I don't know what it'll take to make that go away other than just more people owning them, right? As more people own them, more people think, oh, maybe the problem is not silent. Yeah. Maybe the problem is like, you know, your 22s subsonic are super quiet. You know, your your subsonic 300 blackout is super quiet, but you know, not everything else is. And and some of your lower pressure rifle calibers are, but yeah, your 5.56 is, is not necessarily even hearing safe depending on your suppressor that's that's what i think too you know another one is and i this is one that i feel like has been hard to kill but the whole idea that a gun has to be subsonic to shoot it suppressed right because everybody's like oh but the supersonic crack is all of the sound but that's actually not true at all you get a the majority of the sound from a shot actually is the muzzle blast the supersonic crack does make sound, but it's at the end of your barrel and it's moving away from you, mm-hmm. right? So it doesn't tend to be a painful source of sound in most scenarios or a not hearing safe source of sound. Silence, some of the some of my favorite guns to shoot suppressed, you know, look, look at like a 338 Lapua, maximum charge, bolt gun. I mean, it's not subsonic, not even close to it, but you throw a suppressor on there and it goes from painful to being like, oh man, I can handle that. That's actually pretty cool. So it's a, yeah, the supersonic thing. That's a 308 in a bolt action rifle. It's oh, yeah. pretty impressive. Very it impressive. It really is. How quiet it yeah. gets. Yeah. I, I love hunting, you know, out west, you hunt with a bolt gun and throw a little bitty can on there. And it's plenty, not just hearing safe, but comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. I'm talking about it at the ear. If you put your head by the muzzle, that might be a different story. But it's a we for the shooter. Do that anyway, you shouldn't do. I advise against it. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Any other ones out there that, that you run across? You know, this may not be a myth, but there are a lot of guys, and they're you know, you get the guys in their twenties who come in to buy a silencer. They're all excited. They want to throw it on whatever and use it, and they've got the right idea. They're not married. They don't have kids, so they just buy as an individual. The reality is most people do wind up getting married at some point. They do wind up having kids. You've got other family. You're going to want to have possession of it. So really for most people, using a trust is a better way to buy. Even if, like I said, you're not married, you feel like you're going to be single forever, you're probably not. Right. right? It's a, And then we, we run into a lot of people who are now past that stage in their 30s, 40s. They are married. They do have kids. And they're having to pay $200 per silencer to transfer them from themselves as an individual into a trust where they should have had it in the first place. And the single shot really going back to that just makes, it makes buying a silencer under a trust as easy as buying it as an individual. So why not? Right. There's just no downside. What's the saying? uh, Humans make plans and the gods laugh. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Does it usually work out that way? Um, That's right. You know, I used to, work in a, um, I was a, the, a trainer, a director of training at um, an indoor range and, and retail facility. And we had um, 
we had a lot of folks come in often like, oh, no, I'm not getting a suppressor or any NFA item because then the police can come over to your house anytime they want to. <laughs> That's right. You know, that actually that comes from putting two myths together. So you've got the class three license myth, which is once again, the class three license is a dealer license. And if you get a class three license, the ATF can come in and inspect you anytime they want. That's yeah, part of the deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And they do. So people kind of put that together with you've got to have a class three license to buy a silencer. And I think they connect the dots to ATF can come in and inspect me anytime they want. But that's just not the reality. ATF can't. Right. If you buy a silencer, that does not give ATF license to come without a warrant to look in your house. They can't request to see stuff. They can't. They're just you don't lose any rights, right? Unless, once again, if they've got a warrant, but that's, that's, your, that's not relevant to the silencer. That's, they have that's a called something, something else. You, yeah, <laughs> right. you did something that required a warrant, Yeah. right? So yeah, you don't give up any rights at all. You help a lot of customers out there. You said two thirds of form that's figures right. were coming from you guys. So do you help people at all other than your blog, which obviously does, with the process, you know, like, uh, I don't know what suppressor that I need because there's a, I, there's gun stores out there. And I, I know of a few gun stores who are really great at suppressors. Like they know yeah. that stuff inside and out and they've really adopted it and learned a lot about it. And, and they give really good information, but then there's a lot of gun stores out there who don't so much give the best information. So I imagine you guys are going out helping coach these gun stores that are powered by silencer shop. And yep, that's, and that, that is the goal. But we do run, a, we've got dealers that are across the spectrum you're talking about. Some of them just dive in, learn all about it. They're all about the customer experience and supporting them and helping them with the sale. And others are like more passive, right? And they tend to be that way with guns as well. My, in my experience, the guys who you see that are super helpful are the guys whose businesses just explode. They're, uh, I, you get the, you know, I have people who are more focused on the customer, their business tends to grow. It's kind of a self-perpetuating, I guess, cycle. Whereas the guys who are almost anti-customer, which now there are a crazy amount of people in that in, like that in this industry. Yeah. They, their business is just... They're gatekeepers. That's right. Yeah. You know, you walk into the store and it's like, they're asking you questions so you can prove that you know as much about guns as you should before you buy something, right? That's a ridiculous ego thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've we used to call those the smoky old you know smoky gun store mentality, but it's a it, it's still alive and well. But our our dealers, especially the ones that start getting status, you start looking at those elite gold, silver, even the bronze dealers. Those are the ones that are typically taking it pretty seriously. We've got a lot of powered by dealers that are just more passive with it, but you know it, it all works. It's just personality and approach to life, right? One of my favorite things working in a gun store was selling a suppressor because people were so stoked about it. Like they finally, they were saving their money or whatever, and they came in to buy it. And then we would take them out to the range and they could go shoot it after they bought it. They could come see it for conjugal visits. I'd go grab it out of the, the safe and, and bring it in and let them go down to the range and shoot. And, you know, I'd take it to class, take people suppressors to classes with me where I'm teaching, you know, rifle classes or whatever, and just bring them out so they can shoot them at lunchtime or run them through the whole class, you know, and, and they love that. And, uh, and it was awesome. And, and I love doing it because it was, you know, providing a service for them. And they, when that stamp came in, they got to take it home. So it was great. You know, one of my favorite stories from the early days, this is after we already had a store, but still kind of the early days of Salazar shop. A guy super excited. He'd waited however long to get approved. I think he lived in Houston. We're in Austin. And his wife actually came up 
to pick up the silencer for him. They were on a truss, so that's all pretty typical, actually. But so she's in there picking it up, and you hear him on the phone. She's got her cell phone talking to him on the other line. He's like, "Oh man, he's super excited. Can you take a picture for him? What does it look like?" You know, he's asking her all these questions. She's like, just pauses. Uh, it's a black tube. <laughs> <laughs> But it's just kind of the excitement, you know, of the just being super. It's like a kid before Christmas for however many months the ATF is sitting on your paperwork, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. But, and it is fun to help customers out with the process, too. Just kind of help them through, demystify. You got to do it once, and then it just start, kind of starts to click. Like, okay, that, that was not as hard as I thought, right? I didn't realize you guys were down in Austin. You know, yeah, like, that's right. Some of them down there, I'll stop by. You know, I'm just up in, in Dallas area. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. not far at all. We have employees up in Dallas, but it's, uh, yeah, Austin, I mean, it's sad what's been going on here for the last couple of years, but it's, it's a beautiful city. It is. And then great music. I, I really like Austin a lot. Uh, good right. food. I like it a yep, lot. Yep. I agree. Well, Dave, where can anybody go find you to look more into a silencer shop or track down a kiosk near them? You know, it really, we're on silencershop.com. Obviously, we've got a blog. We post tons of information. There's a dealer finder on there. You can find kiosks in your local area. That's all on our website. We're, all, we're also on all the social medias like YouTube, Instagram. I mean, we're basically on all of them. Get on Reddit. We've got a section on there. But uh, if really, you're going to find us anywhere people are talking about silencers. At least that's the goal. Well, did I leave out anything that you would really be upset that didn't get across on this podcast? You know, I, I think, no, I, I think uh, you covered all the basics. The basics. All right. <laughs> well, guys out there listening, thanks for hanging out with us. I hope you do go check out Silencer Shop and, and find uh, a suppressor that's going to suit your needs. There's a lot of good ones out there. We are not where we were 10 years ago. I mean, there's a lot of quality suppressors out there for you. And uh, you can go out there. It's, it's hunting season. You know, right now, you're probably not going to get one for this season, right? If you go order right now, but you know, you're you, buying for next year, next year, you'll have it. Right. <laughs> so, so go, go pick it up. Dave, thanks so much for joining me guys out there until next time. Mag life.